Scientist John on the case. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, we have our czar of source material, John. When I was a young boy, (laughs) my father... I don't remember the rest of the lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) Took me into the city of Tempest. Oh my god, that was a terrible, terrible way to rhyme that. But anyway, uh, yes, so John and I have gotten together tonight to do, uh, admittedly late, but uh, still necessary, uh, spoiler cast for uh, Slime Tensei Season 2, Part 2. So, we will be spoiling just about anything and everything you could possibly spoil, so if you haven't seen the second half of Season 2 of Slime Tensei, uh, I think definitely go watch it. Um... It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to be doing um, tonight. So I guess let's get right into it. Um, it's still Studio 8-bit. I mean, it still looks good. Everything's pretty much the same from from part one in terms of like cast and crew. Nothing's really changed. Um, it was the second half of the season was split from the first half. It was turned into a split core season. I don't think it was ever like like really announced at the time. If it is like, feel free to tell me I'm wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure it was because of what was going on with COVID-19 at the time. I mean, I, again, I could be wrong. I don't remember there actually being an announcement as to why it was done as a split core, but it was. Listen, the last two years, everything's been delayed. Everything's been put on hold, like hiatus, this and that COVID, this and that, like it, it's a really, I don't know. Usual. It's, funny. it's, it's like, normal now to me. Like, hey, so this thing that was supposed to air uh, the season, it's got pushed back one or two seasons. Like, that was kind yeah. of unheard of prior to COVID, right? Where it's like, oh, that's weird. Like, maybe one show every year or two, one or two shows every year or two would be pushed back. Like, yeah, you would. It'd be rare. But and sometimes and sometimes it was due to things beyond like the studio's control or beyond the like the. Um, the, the television network that was uh, broadcasting its control. Like, sometimes it was because natural disasters. Sometimes it was because of, you know, news events that would co-opt and, you know, push stuff back. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's become sort of the norm recently that we get a bunch of split-core seasons like this, especially ones that are longer than, you know, 12, 13, 14 episodes, um, getting split in two and then, you know, moved a season or two uh later down the line um but yeah I, i'm pretty sure that uh and we mentioned this when we did our first uh part uh spoiler cast for slime Tuesday season two i don't think that based on where they, they cut it off that it was necessarily designed to be split into where it was um no. i think they just did it out of necessity yeah it definitely did not seem like a intentional split because the story picks up right afterwards like there's no mm-hmm. Oh shit! I don't. Did they do a recap episode? The first they did. They did do a recap episode that aired uh, the first week of the season that the second part aired. Um, I think it was called Veldora's Journal or something like that. Oh I yeah, yeah, that's right. The episode that wasn't really an episode, but they had to make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was called Vel- Veldora's Journal Two. It was the name of that episode. They had another one for the uh, the first season as well, I do believe. Um. But yeah, so that happened. So we got a new OP and ED. Um, I think we have uh, somewhat mixed opinions about them. Um, so yeah. we were talking beforehand about the OP, right? So the OP is called Like Flames. It's by uh, Minda Rin. And uh, but we were talking before we got started that this OP looks and sounds like an AMV from like the mid-2000s. Yeah, like, it's not a bad song. Don't get me wrong. Um, but... It definitely gives me the vibe of, like, someone made an AMV out of it. <laughs> like, someone made an AMV for the OP instead of, like, an actual OP for an anime. Maybe yeah, because I'm, well, I'm biased and I really liked the other OPs. Like, Season 1 and the first part of Season 2 OPs, I really like those. Yeah. I, there's, there's something about this that just gives all that AMV vibe. I'm not necessarily saying that's bad because I actually did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, it's just that, that it gives all that AMV vibe and it's like, okay, I'm here for it. It's not great, but it's not bad either. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of the ED though. I will say that. 
the ED did leave a lot to be desired for me as well. So the ED is called Reincarnate. It is by uh, Takuma Terashima. Uh, and yeah, it just it's, it feels kind of weak compared to everything else we've got in OP and ED-wise for, for Slime Tensei. Um, I'll stop short of calling it bad. It's just, it doesn't feel like it's, it doesn't feel like it belongs with the rest of the, uh, the OPs and the EDs. Yeah, I don't think it was bad. I just didn't like it too much. <laughs> it's a personal mm. preference thing, you know. Also, I, f- I felt like the visuals were a little bit weak for it. Again, just spoiled because the other ones I liked a lot more. Yeah, I know, right? I, right. Um, but we won't spend too much time talking about that. Let's talk about the story so far. So when we left off at the end of um, part one of this season, um, the nation of Tempest had just overcome um, the surprise attack by the Blumen Army and the Western Holy Church, which was fucking awesome, by the way. <laughs> um, Rimuru got awakened as a quote-unquote true demon lord. Um what was it? The great sage was like ascended to Raphael. <laughs> um, Re- uh, Veldora got released. That was fucking amazing. Um, we found out that Milam had been acting sus and just attacking people seemingly at random. Um, and Demon Lord Carrion, who was the leader of the, what was it like the beast nation of Urazania? Eurasania, yeah. Eurasania, Eurasania, however you're supposed to pronounce it. Tasmania. Uh, Tasmania, <laughs> Europe. <laughs> Uh, had disappeared, and a lot of people had presumed that he was dead. Um, so that's kind of where we left off at the end of part one. I think I've, I've summarized most of the major events of, of part one. Unless Did I leave anything off there, John? No, that was it. Major okay. event-wise. <laughs> um, so then we get into uh, the first few episodes of... The first six episodes, really. The first half of this uh, core of season two is just talking. It's just so... Talk, 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 talk. Yeah. It's, it's very plot-heavy. It's very... Narr- like, um... Not narrative. Um, Jesus, what's the word I'm looking for? My brain, over the last couple of days, exposition? has failed me. Exposition. It's exposition-heavy. My brain, over the last two days, I don't know what it is, has completely failed me. I don't know if I'm not drinking enough coffee or what. <laughs> too much coffee. More salute. Too much coffee. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much the first six episodes of, of this core. is just mostly people talking and planning and scheming. In fact, the first episode of this core feels pretty much like a breather episode after what happened at the very end of... Um, of part one of this season um you have a lot of people it's just celebrations after the uh the, the attack and you know everyone coming back to life and and Rimuru awakening as a demon lord it's just it's a bunch of celebrations and people acting you know joyous and festive and it's like everything's everyone's like all right everything's gonna be all right now right 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 <laughs> <laughs> no no it's not <laughs> um so i was gonna ask you do you think, because you've read, well, you've read one of the source materials for this anime. You've read I read the, the original novel. source material, excuse you. Yeah, although this anime is based on the light novel, you have read the web novel. Yes. Um, and I was going to ask, in terms of, like, anime series composition, do you think that all of this, like, dedicating almost six full episodes to just, like, narrative exposition and people talking and scheming in the midst of all this other stuff that was going on, do you think that was a good idea? I think so. So I have <laughs> I have future knowledge. I have proprietary knowledge and shit. Yeah, you do. Right. So. You know where the story is going. I don't. Yeah. All of this in season two, or this part of season two, is um, the expositing and stuff. It's all set up for the end. Like, it's a reason. It seems very boring and not very action heavy. Like, sure, like in the first season, right? We had the um, what two, three battles or something. I think it was. Yeah, I think there were two. There were two major battles, and there was one miniature like skirmish. Yeah. So that's kind of how we as anime viewers get the formula, right? Like. Yeah. Yada yada something something next battle. Yada yada Especially with something, Isekai. Something. Like is- yeah. Isekai Isekai is like that where you get like the the first couple episodes of an Isekai will just be exposition and world building and then you get a battle, exposition, battle, exposition, battle, exposition. That's pretty much the formula for Isekai. Yeah. So, I was hyped for this season to release cuz I was like, yo, it's the fucking Demon Lord arc. Let's fucking go. So the <laughs> next arc, the very next arc um it's probably going to be 
I don't think it's going to have enough time to exposit because it's straight up just action. Like, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of expositing towards the end for, like, the major reveal of, like, why everything's happening and conspiring. But other than that, uh, I I don't mind it because, again, this is all important information that I'm sure no one's going to fucking remember or even care about <laughs> because if they decide to do a season three, then it's literally – it's it's the war arc, so <laughs> – yeah, leave that. I just leave it at that. It's the war arc. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because there, there were people who were complaining about how all talking and stuff in, in this this core. And uh, there's a member of our Discord server server named Earl Gray, and I've heard other people who are privy to the uh, the the story of the light novel and the web novel, like yourself, uh, pretty much describe Slime Tensei this way. They've described like season one of Slime Tensei as nation building season two, which we got a lot of in the second half was politicking. And then the third season or, you know, whatever continues after this will just be all out fucking war. Um, so would you, as someone who's read this source material, would you say that's a pretty accurate description of, of what Slime Tensei is? hundred percent. Yeah. Hmm. So then I, I would say in terms of what, I mean, not to spoil anything that comes after this, but I would say in terms of what you've said about what's coming up after this um, and what we've seen so far, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that they spent so much time just talking and and airing out these characters. And it, there was also a little bit of world building that was going on during all this exposition as well. Um but yeah, that's that's pretty much what the the first six episodes are, um, and we see it from multiple perspectives as well, not just from the members of like you know the nation of Tempest, but some of their allies as well. They come to this giant meeting that's being held to discuss like their future and and all that good stuff. And then we also see it from the antagonist side as well. We see a bunch of planning and scheming going on with Clayman. We see it with some of the other demon lords. Um, we finally see Milam again, finally. <laughs> After forever, <laughs> we also see that uh, behind the scenes, it's actually uh, Yuki that is pulling the strings. Yuki like, Kaji, got... <laughs> yeah, you. I wish. <laughs> uh, no, um, the guy that we met that seemed when we first met Yuki in the was it the first half of season was it the end of season one or the first half of season two? I can't remember now. I feel like it was the first the the end of season one is when we first met Yuki, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. When we first met him, like it, it's revealed that he's someone like Rimuru who was pulled from the real world, much like there are other characters that we've met so far as well um, who have been pulled from the real world. But he seems to have a greater grasp and knowledge of what actually how this world works than just about anybody else. And it turns out we find out in this season that he's the one that's been pulling the strings behind the scenes, and it's like he's might be a just an evil fucker. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? I know. I'm not going to say anything, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and, in in the course of this, we find out that part of what he's trying to do, or at least a big part of what he's trying to do, is resurrect the cursed lord, Kazarim. Kind of. So, we... All we know about Yuki is that, like, he's a guy... He's the guild master of um, an adventurer's branch or something, right? And... Mm. For whatever reason, it seems like he's scheming. And then in uh, a flashback with Clayman talking to Yuki, Yuki's like, hey, so I can revive the demon lord, the curse lord, uh, Kazalim, if you want. And that's kind of like where they leave it. And that's a very interesting thing. You think about it, like uh, we just saw how powerful all the demon lords are supposedly supposed to be, right? Mm -hmm. So they're all pretty powerful. So this guy, this otherworlder, just says... He can revive one of them? That's kind of sus, right? Yeah, I mean, it makes it seem like, despite the fact that he is another world or, you know, from the real world, so to speak, that he is either A, found some way to get some knowledge about this world that other people that have come from the real world don't have, or B, he's been in this world a lot longer than it seems. Yeah, so. I mean, it's also revealed that he's been the one that's essentially been in control of what Clayman is doing. More or less? Yeah, they kind of yada yada over that part a little bit for uh, why Clayman is even doing what he's doing. Like, they show him, like, saying, I want to build my own nation one day, blah, blah, blah. And the the clown troop was like, Clayman, don't get too big for your britches. There's a little bit more to that. I'm not sure why they didn't show it 
Um, I'm not sure if they're ever going to show it, but it's going to be it's in relation to what happens at the end. So I'm not going to say anything, but they did skip over that part a little bit, which is I do like how in the like the little flashback um, bits that we get where it's the uh, the Harlequin troop that's talking to uh, Clayman. You get um, what's the main guy's name? I forget. Lapless. Uh, you get him saying basically straight up to Clayman, you know, don't. Don't ever count. Basically, he's saying to him, "Don't count your chickens before they hatch, man." And yeah, it's like fucking. It's like, oh my god, this is what foreshadowing is, boys and so, girls. There is a there's something that they didn't show about Clayman, and uh, I'm not sure if they're ever gonna revisit it. So I guess I can put that out. So Clayman is part of the um the clown troop, and each one of them has like a specialty, right? As we can see, like with the information that we have now, with like Lapless, Tear. I don't remember the big guy's name. And Footman. Then Clay- Footman and then Clayman, right? Yes. So Clayman has always been the scheming smart guy who thinks he's really like, uh, think Car- Carmilla from, um, oh my God, I was going to say. Blade Castlevania. Castlevania. <laughs> yeah. Think Carmilla. She's always thinking of a plan and she's always like going to take over and it's everyone else's fault and this and that. Right. Yeah. So in the flashback, Laplace does tell Clayman like, hey, you, I know you're smart, but you're not that strong, so make sure you watch your back when you're doing stuff. And, like, Clayman, obviously he doesn't heed that warning and he does whatever he wants, and that's why he's getting his comeuppance, which is why it's like, yeah, that's kind of fucked up. But then you also got to think about, like, why did he decide to do all this fucked up shit, right? So in his flashback, he's a lot kinder, and he's, like, he's good friends with the clown troop. But from what we've seen so far, he treats them kind of just like pawns. And they're like, Clay Man, we don't know what you're doing, but whatever, buddy. You're our friends. So we're going to do stuff for you. And he's just like, ha, fucking clown troop. And it's like, that's weird. In his flashback, he never treated them like that. So what happened, right? Yeah. And now that we know that Yuki's the one pulling the strings, it's kind of just like, what did Yuki do? And it's it's kind of implied that Yuki promised him that I can um revive... Kazarim, so you should listen to what I do or listen to what I tell you to do. But it's yeah, like also this... also very subtly implied that you know if you help me, I can make you like and I can raise your standing amongst the demon lords too. Yeah, so it's very interesting. I'd say <laughs> there's there's yeah. a lot of subtlety going on here that again because they didn't include certain scenes, it'd be a lot harder to pick up on. And again, I only know like future information, so mm. this is well, why I, I know about that, this. That I also feel that, you know, given what happens at the end of this, which at the end of the season, which we will obviously get to here in a, in a few moments, um, and the fact that Laplace is obviously still alive and kicking, um, I feel like they might eventually come back to that, if that is indeed the case, um, with maybe a flashback from his perspective at some point. Yeah, and there's also the, like, little scene at the very end where um, Demon Lord Valentine, right, comes back to his territory, Valentine. and then he's like... <laughs> Then he's like, haha, guess what? Clayman's a fucking idiot. He's dead now. And then Laughless literally just rips the dude's heart out and kills him. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, the the clown troop is a little bit more significant, and I'm kind of sad they didn't play too much on that. I mean, they'll play a bigger yeah, they didn't part. They get a in whole the... lot of, like, screen time in this, uh, well, particularly in this second core of this season. They got a little more screen time in the, in the first half, but they got almost none in this second half. Yeah, well, in the first half, they were just basically, like, just fucker People going around fucking shit up, right? Yeah, <laughs> they were, fucking they were around. agents of chaos. Yeah, they're just like, let's go fucking do this. Well, I don't know why he wants us to do that, but let's go do it for Clayman. And it just seems like they're goofy, like, characters. But then, like, you get Laplace being like, oh, I can't believe you killed Clayman. Rips out the fucking Demon Lord's heart. <laughs> Kills him. Like, whoa, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> like yeah definitely sets up some stuff coming down the road for sure for sure yeah and then it and makes you wonder like you know what who is this character actually like is he super strong is he like some agent well he's obviously an agent for yuki because you see him you know scheming with yuki uh during all this uh exposition and dialogue but in these first six episodes um you're like is he way more power he's obviously way more powerful than he lets on right well as we saw like the all the clowns and the moderate clown troop are following um, Yuki because Yuki did promise that he could revive Demon Lord Kazarim. 
Mm. It's yeah. pretty obvious why they're following him. But yeah, it's like why do they follow Clayman though? Like I can understand why they follow Yuki, but they need to. They we need to see why they follow Clayman. So like, and they just don't question anything that he does. Yeah, and again, that's part of the whole flashback thing. Like they talk about it a little bit more in the novels. Like again, Clayman is part of the moderate clown troop. They all serve under Demon Lord Kazarim, and they're all friends, right? That's mm-hmm. why Laplace even gets mad and kills uh Valentine because Valentine made fun of Clayman. So then, like, because Laplace earlier when he met Valentine, he was like, oh, fuck, the Demon Lord's here. He's shooting fucking eye beams. Get the fuck out. Right? And he <laughs> runs away. So you think he's weak, right? Yeah. But at this point, like, he's so pissed off that he just rips out Valentine's heart. And it's like, wait, he could do that from the beginning. So why was he doing that? And, again, because we know that uh, the moderate clown troop is only following Clayman. Because, again, they're all friends. They all know each other. They were created by Demon Lord Kazarim. So, obviously, they take care of each other. It's just weird that Clayman was acting like that, but they didn't question it because it's like, well, Clayman's always, he's been the weakest of us, but he's always been the dreamer, right? The schemer. He's got big plans. He's always doing something. Yep. So, one thing we haven't talked about in these first six episodes is is your boy, Veldora. <laughs> Yo, Veldora! I fucking love <laughs> Veldora. I'm so sad his interactions have been played down. Like... He's a lot more. Are they more, even like more intense in the in the source material? Not as intense, but he like chimes in every time Rimuru's doing some internal monologuing, and he just says, "Hey Rimuru, I need some new manga." Hey Rimuru, <laughs> let me go fight this thing for you. And Rimuru's like, "No, fucking Veldora, you're a fucking natural disaster. Stop." And then he's <laughs> like, "But Rimuru, I'm so bored." <laughs> and um, um, so I would that's like one to point thing. Out- I, I, before you before you could go, I do want to point out that uh, in in the Japanese dub of um, of this show, uh, Veldora is voiced by Tomaki Maeno, and he is clearly having a very good time voicing this character. Yeah, because Veldora is supposed to be like a high and mighty, pompous like type of character. Because he's he's one of the um, oh fuck, I don't know if they talked about that yet. He's he's a dragon, and they're basically like gods in this world, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And monsters in the Tempest Fur, uh, the Jura Temp, Jura Forest, yeah, Jura Forest, the, yeah, the Jura for- Forest, yes. Before it became the Jura Tempest Forest, uh, the Jura Forest, all the monsters there worshipped Veldora as a god, right? So it gives you a little like insight into like these dragon folk, and then like you look at um, Milam and see how strong she is, and she's a descendant of a dragon. It's like, yeah, dragons are basically gods in this universe. <laughs> yeah pretty much so that Uh, gives you a little bit of implication of like why is he so uh pompous and then they don't talk about it i I hope they talk about it a little bit later but basically veldora is the um he's the wind dragon and he's (laughs) he gets bored very easily right like it's explained that i don't oh fuck i don't know if they actually if Raphael since they ever explained the reason why veldora is even stuck in a time prison in the very beginning he was bored and wanted to see the magic that the hero was going to use. So he just let him get hit by the magic. And he was like, whoa, that's crazy. He also thought the hero was cute or something, I think, in the novel. <laughs> um, I do love the the like the like human design for Veldora, though. It's pretty great. Oh, yeah. He's just like a buff guy. <laughs> just, a, just a buff weeb. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like Veldora how he as acts. a character just because he's so, like... He's just so chaotic, and I just love it. <laughs> and mm. I, I hope that they, when they do the, um, eventually they're gonna do the labyrinth scene because that's part of the season three. But <laughs> they basically play D and D later on, and it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> awesome. So, <laughs> moving on. So one of the things we do learn in this uh, opening six episodes is about a uh, upcoming event called Walpurgis, which is essentially like a banquet or a get-together of all of the demon lords that's held when they need to discuss something very important, or sometimes, as we found out, not very important in in history. Um, and um, a great deal of the next couple episodes after that deal with people preparing for this uh, meeting. One of the things that's done is um, it's kind of laid out that Milam is not taking part in what she's doing very uh, willingly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So for whatever reason, uh, Clayman has this ring that holds some power over Milam, right? 
Like, mm-hmm. we see that in the previous season, he was, like, holding on to that ring, and then all of a sudden, it's around Milam's neck. So now, like, obviously, he somehow gave it to her. She probably thought it was a present because it's Milam. She doesn't... She's the strongest motherfucker alive next to uh, Guy Crimson. So yeah, well, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's shown that it was given. To, it was like given to her by Frey under false pretenses by yeah, one of the other I think demon Frey, lords. Frey, yeah, Frey gives it to Milam. Yeah, so as, Frey was as, like as a in quote on unquote this plan. gift. And for whatever reason, this thing has some power to mind control her. Yeah, so that's what we think so far that Milam is mind controlled and that Clayman somehow found an artifact, like referring to that and uh the story that we get about milam is that like apparently there was a princess of an old kingdom that had a dragon and then her dragon dies and then she like turns into a demon lord because she gets upset and then they're like oh that's obviously milam right Mm -hmm. so it's implied that maybe the ring has some power over milam because it has something to do with that yeah i mean and and we're it's also been revealed that uh part of you know after Milam was quote-unquote controlled by Clayman she agreed to the whole Walpurgis thing and it's it's, you know discussed that at least three demon lords have to agree to hold Walpurgis for it to take place yeah Um, because demon lords have their own and um, Frey who I think were the ones that voted for it yeah Clayman Milam and Frey voted to hold Walpurgis because uh Rimuru basically slaps the shit out of uh Clayman's plan so he was like well that's fine. I'll just use the other demon lords and condemn you and make sure they take you out instead. Right? Yeah, that, and that's, that's his like, entire it, fucking plan. That's the that's the entire point of this Walpurgis because they know that Rimuru is going to come since he's been awakened as a true demon lord and like obvious trap is obvious, dude. <laughs> it's literally meant to just get him there in, in the same room so they can all just gang up on him at once. And that's Clayman's scheme. I mean, he can take out one loose end all like right at, at one time. Well, he implies that it would be great if um, Milam and Rimuru kill each other in battle. Mm -hmm. Or Hinata, too. He's just like, it'd be great if they just fucking both died, right? But he was like, but Milam basically is never going to die because, again, she's a descendant of a dragon, so she's not going to fucking die. And, yeah, Clayman's just setting it up as a plot. Because, like, so you can't come into the world and declare yourself a demon lord. You have to be voted in. Like, you have to have a recommendation from the current demon lords to become a demon lord. Because mm-hmm. it's implied that, so, like, the oldest demon lord is Guy Crimson. They tell you that. And, like, the second one would be, like, Milam and... Fucking don't remember the guy's name. The, the giant guy. I think he's the second or the third oldest or something. Yeah, but, but the, the point is, like, it's almost a democracy. You have to be allowed in by, yeah. you know, like, a majority of the other demon lords. So they hold it and they invite this upstart demon lord who's calling himself a demon lord when in this world you can't just call yourself a demon lord. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, again, you need to be appointed. (laughs) (laughs) What's the fucking quote from the prequel? You sit on this council, but we do not grant you the title. Grant you the rank of master. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that. (laughs) Basically that. (laughs) How can I be on the council and not be a master? (laughs) Yeah. So basically that's what what they want to prevent, and that's why they... That's Clayman's pretense for like, oh, well, there's this guy claiming to be a demon lord, so we got to have a meeting about this, guys. He's like, yeah. all right, whatever. And um, part of, of Walpurgis is each demon lord is allowed to bring two basically underlings with them to the meeting if they so choose. Uh, technically speaking, it's two attendants. Yeah. It's not underlings. It's two attendants. But it's same difference. difference. I mean, you, they're allowed to bring two people with them. Yeah. Um, and, um, Rimuru ends up choosing, um, secretary girl. God, I forget. She, no, uh, Shion. Um, and best boy Ranga. <laughs> I fucking love Ranga. You didn't get as many Ranga voice lines. Ranga got so little screen time in the yeah. second season. It's such a tragedy. It's such a tragedy. Uh, but, um, so that's, that's who he ends up choosing. And, um. Yeah, it, it it's pretty great. We also got um the 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 fairy bitch. I forget her name now. Um, Ramirez. R- Ram. There's Ram- so many characters in this, and I can't remember any of their names half the time. Uh, Ramirez. Yes, Ramirez came back um after seemingly having very little to do in the uh, in the first season. Um, 
but yeah, she came back. And, like we got a bunch of people coming back that we've been introduced to, but very little like um, very little backstory to them. So I'm, I'm glad some of them got a chance to to come back for this. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much what the um, the the seventh and eighth episode are. And then you have um, one of the things that's also being planned as as this is all going on is um, the 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 nation of Tempest is going to go try and take back uh, Eurasania from you know Clayman's forces um, who are attacking and essentially invading the country. That's why you have sort of the um, the refugee peacekeepers that are staying in uh, in Tempest. So they're going to go try and take this back while all of this is going on with uh, with Walpurgis. So they see it as an as an opportune like a great opportunity to like go on the offensive. Right. Um, and so part first of, this of is, all, they're called the Three Beasketeers. <laughs> oh well, in the in the English uh, translation, they're called Beastkeepers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> in the uh, web novel, it was translated as the Three Beasketeers. <laughs> Wow, that's that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Um, but where was I going with this? Oh, uh, so I was gonna say. So Reamer has definitely been reading the Art of War, um, where it says <laughs> to attack your enemy when they're on the advance. Uh, so there's definitely that. Um, also, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Benny Maru, best general. <laughs> I mean, he's the only general, but. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't think good. Tempest he, has any other generals. <laughs> he's 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 a good military leader, as it as it shows in this battle, because he puts the right people in the right places. Um, and this is really besides the um, besides the fight during Walpurgis, and I guess you could also say the Adelman fight, which comes you know during all of these events. Um, that's really the only quote unquote fights that there are in this half uh, of the season. Um. But the Beastkeeper fights were all really good, I thought. You have um, you have Albus uh, with Gabza versus Yamza. Yamza is also a character I, I feel like should have gotten a little more um, a little more screen time, maybe? Eh, I mean, so the problem is that his screen time was like, it was like the web novel. He's, he's kind of just like a, the villain of the moment, and he's never heard of ever again. So hmm. it's kind of like... I they already like showed how a little he, more build up. Uh, they gave him plenty of build up. Like essentially, what he did in the anime or what he did in the web novel is what he did in the anime. Shows up, you fucking dragon priest guys. Fuck you guys. It's your fault <laughs> that we have to be here. He's just like overall a piece of shit, and then like gets his shit fucking kicked in. So I love how every time Midray gets angry, everyone just calls him a melon because <laughs> his head turns red. <laughs> Um, you have Phobio and Geld uh, versus Footman and Tear, two of the uh, the Harlequin bitches, the clown bitches, um, who apparently are way stronger again than they look. Th- this is what I mean. Like these people are obviously way stronger than they outwardly appear because you have Geld, the the fucking the pig dude, who is obviously strong and a capable warrior, and you have Phobio, who is one of the beastkeepers. Like obviously. These people are strong, and yet they they can't they can barely hold their own against these two people. Um, and then you have the Sufia and Gabiru, my boy Gabiru versus Midray, which that was that was weird because it's almost like because Midray is part of well, I forget what the actual terminology is for it. Um, they're basically followers of of um, of Milam, right? Yeah, they're uh, the citizens of Milam's land. They're all yeah. uh, apparently descended dragon folk. And I forget. I I know there's a name for it. I can't. I didn't write it down here. But um, but yeah, they're essentially followers of of Milam. Uh, and it, it kind of confused me as to why they were fighting him in the first place. But then I realized, oh yeah, Milam's like bad now. <laughs> Milam's allied with Clayman, so they are kind of just following what Milam says. And I love how. It's implied that he's actually way stronger than he appears, and he could have actually uh, destroyed all of uh, the, the Clayman's troops himself. But Midray yeah, is I, like, I thought he, it was actually kind of funny to be perfectly honest with you. Um, which yeah. makes me, which makes me real like think like when he was having that that beef with Yamza, could he just like just sucker punch him and kill him? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. So that's something that they didn't show in the um, anime, which they talk about in the novel. 
uh, he could literally just eviscerate the entire army, but he doesn't. Like, the reason why the dragon folk don't fight back is because Milam, for whatever reason, they're like, well, Milam's doing something, and we don't disobey her because she's our ruler. Mm-hmm. And they're so, like, um, trained, disciplined. They're so disciplined in just following what their ruler says. And this plays a big part into, like, the next thing that happens. So it's, it's again, they they do, they, I wouldn't say they yada yada over a lot of stuff, but they do leave out minor details like that because overall in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't matter. But to me, that type of flavored text really helps flesh out the world. So it's yeah, important sure. to me to see. Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree with you on that one. By the way, they're called Dragon Faithful. I don't know why I couldn't get that. You know, I couldn't remember that, but that's what they're called. The people who follow Milam, the Dragon Fa- Dragon Faithful. Yeah, like uh, in his battle with uh, Gabiru, Gabiru, he talks about Gabiru. how Dragon Utes are descendants of dragons, but they went to one path where they stayed dragon-like, and then um, Midray and the rest of them decided their fam- their uh, bloodline was also, they're also dragons, right? But they mm-hmm. chose to stay with the human form. Yeah, and that, uh, that kind of that was a weird. That was kind of a weird, um, like, reveal. But like, I, it kind of makes sense. But it was also like I wasn't expecting it. Well, there's a reason for it, but I'm not sure if they're ever going to talk about it in the anime. <laughs> and uh, it, it has to do not. with again spoilers for the next the end of the um of Slime Tensei. So I'm not going to say nothing until probably we finish the season three spoiler cast if I remember to talk about it. I'll talk about every single thing that they left out that creates flavor text for the anime or for the uh, Slime Pensei world. By the way, I don't know I don't know if you realize this or if anybody who who watched the um who watched the anime realizes so the tactic that they used in that that fight that in um Eurasania, it's a very similar to the tactics tactics that were used at the Battle of Hastings in 1066. Where they funnel everyone into like a, a valley and then attack them from above. I mean, I feel like that's just good war tactics in general. I don't, I really don't know if that was like their intent or something. You know, I don't know if it was the intent, but I, I thought that if it if it was their intent, it's it's a good nod to an actual historical battle. Um, but anyway, as all this is going on in the uh, in the battle in Europe, uh, I always I almost want to call it. <laughs> Uranesia, Urana, Ura, God damn it, the Beast People Land. <laughs> Can't even fucking say it. Um, we have Shauna literally being a fucking badass storming Clayman's castle. That was pretty cool. At least yeah. I thought it was. I mean, so we have never seen Shuna fight, right? No, she's so, always been like see, seemingly like this, this like I won't say prissy, but like well, soft. she's the Miko, she's the priestess, she's yeah. the um the princess priestess, <laughs> Princess Miko. Yeah. So she's kind of like the one who's always taking care of stuff. Like she, we know that she can sew and she's weaving stuff. She's a caretaker for um, Rimuru. So we we've never seen her actually fight, but we know that she has magical powers, and apparently she's stronger in magical like powers than Benimaru is. Mm-hmm. We just never see Shuna fight. Now we did now. <laughs> yeah, and we finally get to see Shuna fight, and it's like. Because she's a Miko, she's like she actually has divine power, and it's like, wait, what the fuck? A demon has divine, or a, is she a demon? A monster has divine power, and it's like, wait, what? You don't <laughs> worship a god? There is no god. I'm your god now. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Adamant was just like he was a holy priest that was betrayed in his previous life, and became a roaming undead because of the curse, and then for whatever reason he was bound by a curse to the land. And he's being used by Clayman. So the entire fight is just Shuna basically going, you think that's power? This is power. And then, like, just dumps on Adelman. Every time he summons some new thing, she's just like, ah, ha, 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 bless. Like, <laughs> and that's, fuck- that's cute. Watch this. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, and it's nuts. Because Adelman, he was a holy priest before in his, li- his last life, before he became an undead. And he's just like, what god do you serve how do you have magical powers and then Shuna's just like i mean it's just believing and having strong faith in something to have magical healing like powers so mm-hmm. and he's like what yeah i i personally I, I there's some people that said that, that fight was over way sooner than it probably should have been personally i thought it was great especially since we actually get to see what shuna is now capable of i mean i wouldn't waste too much time on that because 
again, this season isn't really about the battles, right? The Demon Lord arc is going to be more about the the politicking, nation building, and if just wait for the third season, the last season, it's going to be a lot more battles. Just this is all just expositing. We're all supposed to just learn story stuff, like Adam in, and then uh, gets defeated, but then Shuna decides not to kill him, or no, he to, for to he doesn't pass away. Him. No, so she does the holy sanctuary thing, whatever, and then Adelman, you know, he's an undead, so he should be fucking vaporized, but he doesn't fucking get vaporized. And then he's like, well, Shuna-sama, please let me worship your god so I can learn how to use holy powers again, right? Because his entire life, he just wanted to be a holy man and do good in the world. Like, that's a little bit of his Adelman's backstory. You don't really get to know too much about him, but he is kind of important for the next uh, arc, or the the end of the uh, anime. I, I so. feel like that's that's what I felt like even as an anime only watcher of this. I felt like yeah, we're probably going to see him more especially since at the end of that fight he's like, "All right, let's team up and do this then." Um and then that's pretty much how the fight ends. Like the, the idea was that they were going to go storm Clayman's castle after this is over with and he's like, "All right, well let me go help you." And then they go off to to Clayman's castle to find whatever it is they're going to find. And then for the rest of the season, we don't see them anymore. Like it never goes back to them. Um, so I feel like that's going to be, you know, whatever the next part of this is, um, that's what we're going to see, or at least we're, we're going to see the results of that. Um, and then the way that the season ends is with the actual meeting at Walpurgis, um, and we get the chance to meet all of the demon Lords all at once. Um, I do want to say that, uh, a lot of them have some unique designs and I like that. Um, I really like the designs of the demo. They all seem very unique, uh, not just in their designs, but in their like their personalities. They all seem like they they don't they don't all seem like just copy paste of the same like character archetype, which I really like. Uh, they also have one who can't stay awake. <laughs> it's like got narcolepsy. Oh yeah, Dino. Uh, yeah. Um, and then you know, once all this happens, of course, there's lots of ceremony with it and, and, and whatnot. Um, but then we get Clayman, AKA fucking Dio loving to monologue for an entire episode. What a great, what a great speech he gives. And then Rimuru is just like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> like that's his response to it. He just stands up and says, you lie. You lie as you breathe. You lie as you breathe. And here and here is why. A, B, C, D. And then all the other demon lords looking at Clayman like, hmm. Yeah, so Clayman obviously is like fucking, he's putting on an act trying to pretend like everything is um, Rimuru's fault. Uh, he killed his subordinate, um, Milas, Milas, whatever the fucking name is. Muna? Muna? Mulan? Mulan. Yes, Murin. Murin. So Murin, the uh, the witch girl who was like who casted the spell, so so then everyone died because of that. Uh, was working under Clayman because Clayman like owned her heart, right? And then we mm-hmm. see that obviously Rimuru like destroys her heart because there was a tap on it, and then also replaces it, so that way he can keep her as proof against Clayman, and that's why he's like, yeah, I can just like recreate these memories with magic. And then Clayman's like, whoa, those are doctored. <laughs> Fucking Photoshop. You edited that. <laughs> Fake news. And then is like, fuck, man. Like, uh, how much do I have to prove to you that you're a fucking piece of shit? And I don't really. And then and then Rimuru just like says, fuck it. You know what, Clayman? I don't give a fuck if people want to believe this or not. I came here to kick your fucking ass and kill you. So then they start fighting. And I'm just like, nice. <laughs> 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 like despite all of Clayman's like plotting this and that, it all comes down to Rimuru going, "I don't give a fuck. Let's fucking kill each other." <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And all the other demon lords are just like, "All right, sounds good." I I love how Clayman's like big plan was that he was gonna rely on his like charisma and his like ability to persuade just to get everyone else on his side. And then when he tries to do it, everyone just immediately suspects him. <laughs> of trying to pull some shit. Well, because everyone knows Clayman as he's like the puppeteer, right? Everyone knows him as the puppet master, so yeah. it's kind of expected that he's always plotting something. But yeah. for the most part, demon lords don't really care what other demon lords are plotting and doing, because like as long as you don't invade their land, they really don't give a shit what you're doing with your life. 
Yeah, they're they're very libertarian in that in that regard. They're like, hey, listen, you go do what you want to do in your own land. I'll stay here and do what I want to do in my land. We won't worry about each other. <laughs> and then occasionally we'll get together and talk about shit. <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes as demon lords in this world. It seems like. Uh, what did you actually think of the Clayman fight, though? Was oh, it was man. it worth the payoff? Not really. Or was the build up <laughs> worth the payoff? So. The Clayman fight is, it, it lasts a lot longer in the novel by, like, a little bit. <laughs> in the anime, it lasted, like, five minutes. <laughs> but, I mean, I get why. It's it's not really that big of a fight. Um, the most disappointing thing was, again, when Clayman gets defeated, he has that inner monologue in the flashbacks. And there's a lot of expositing that goes with that, that shine a light on, like, who's the true villain and, like, the true intentions of Clayman and just, like, hint at other things. That's what I didn't um, like about the anime version because they didn't do that. And it's kind of mm. disappointing because it's really good. Really good flavor text. There's a little bit of more information for you to think about in the back of your head. Yeah, it does seem like it could have it could have used a bit more, especially given the the build up to this fight. I f- I feel like there could have been some more to it, like you say. Um, I think you know one thing that a lot of us were suspecting and it was definitely confirmed in this fight is Milam doing the double double cross. <laughs> yeah, so um, Milam uh, was never controlled. <laughs> no, she just pretended to be controlled so that she could draw Clayman's true nature. So Milam knew that Clayman was up to something, but because Milam was like, she's not a smart thinker. She was like, I don't know what to do. And then she was like, you know what? I'm going to pretend to be mind controlled. And then I'm going to expose Clayman to the other demon Lords and then have Rimuru clean it up. Like that was her entire plan. And you know, props to Milam. Like Clayman fucking smacks her upside the head multiple times and punches her and stuff. And she just does nothing. Cause one, it does no damage to her. Cause you know, she's a fucking, the chaotic dragon destroyer or whatever. Mila Novum. So she doesn't really take damage. So it's funny that Clayman even considered that he could possibly take her over. But <laughs> it is explained that Yuki said that like Clayman says it. It's like Yuki said that this stone has the power to take over uh, Milam. Even though it didn't. So that was a weird thing. Did you ever consider that uh, she was lying to you? Well, see, that's another thing that... One thing that's crazy is that, obviously, when Clayman first takes control of Milam, he, like, does something aggressive to see if she fights back, and she doesn't, right? He's, like, prepared to see, like, if this ring worked or not. And Milam is known... Yeah, that abuse is kind of hard to watch, to be perfectly honest. Well, so Milam is known as, like she does whatever the fuck she wants just like guy crimson like they do whatever they want because they're kind of like super powerful right so for milam to take that punishment and not retaliate it was really good acting because again and if milam didn't meet rimuru and start thinking a little bit because of her meeting with rimuru she would have just knocked clayman's lights out like instantly mm-hmm. <laughs> just obliterated him in half the country yeah, I mean, something else we realized during this fight is that uh, Demon Lord Carrion is still alive. Uh, I mean, he actually just went into hiding when he realized that shit was going down in his own country. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm assuming that has implications going forward. Eh, not really. I mean, he just knew that something was wrong uh, when he got attacked by. Um, so he gets attacked by milam and he doesn't know what's going on and then it's implied that Frey grabs him in the air and like rips his throat out or something right yeah and it just cuts to black so obviously Frey was in on it the whole time as well like with the whole necklace thing she was never actually on clayman's side she was just like well i don't know what to do but these demon lords are way stronger than me so i'm just gonna play along because <laughs> it's like clayman has this plot he wants to take control of milam and you know destroy the world or whatnot and then Milam goes to Frey and like, Frey, you're my friend, right? I think Clayman's up to something. And I want to f- do this plot to like get into his court and expose him to the other demon lords. And Frey's just like, well, I don't really care because, again, you're all stronger than me. So <laughs> I can't really say anything. Yeah. Um, I don't, it, was, it was so much scheming. And it's like, it makes me wonder, was, was anyone besides the other like Harlequin clowns were was anyone besides them actually on clayman's side i think he stood alone and he didn't realize it 
No. For the most part, all the other demon lords don't really care what you do. They don't really have a friendship. So mm-hmm. the only people under Clayman that would be actually on his side would probably be the, the clown troop. Because, again, they were Sad. all created to serve Lord Kazarian. <laughs> Sad. He, d- he didn't even realize until the very end that no one was on his side except him. And again, there is a little bit of that, like, why is that? Why did he even think that uh, he could do this, you know? And they ne- they didn't go into it, and it, ah, man. That was the most disappointing part about this to me. Because it's an important detail that plays later on, and I hope they come back to it later on when they get to the whole, like, when they go and confront Yuki and ask him what's going on. I really hope it's explained why Clayman did all this stuff. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I feel like with, with Lapless surviving, and that, that is something that happens after all this. Like We mentioned it before how Lapless goes back to Valentine after the uh, the Walpurgis meeting and says, wow, y'all killed Valent- or y'all killed Clayman. I'm going to rip your heart out now. Yeah, so the clown uh, troop is... A, I think the clown troop is an interesting dynamic, and it plays really well into, like thing with yuki and the rest of this stuff so yeah and i feel like that's something they're gonna they're gonna come back to with the they better dude. At least. they really dropped the ball on this part because again they they shortened the fight with clayman and they didn't even give him the exposition to give you more thinking about what's going to happen next so they better fucking do it yeah um i mean and then something else that happens is Frey and, and one other person i cannot remember who um decides to step down as being a demon lord oh carrion Carrion! That's right, Carrion, yes. Uh, he still wants to rule his land, but he doesn't want to be a demon lord anymore. And so they they both are they, they both are agreed to not be demon lords anymore, which is apparently something you can do. Um, and then the people who are left pretty much unanimously agree to allow Rimuru to join their ranks and become a demon lord. Um, so now there's only eight of them, and he comes up with the name Octagram to describe them, which is a stupid name. <laughs> Very stupid name. <laughs> It's the uh, eight star demon lords the octogram. Yeah, <laughs> such a stupid so, name. Yeah, so Frey and Carrion decide to step down because they're both like, yeah, we're actually really weak compared to the other demon lords here. Like the only other demon lord that we were kind of as powerful as was um, Clayman because he wasn't a true awakened demon lord yet. He does get mm. truly awakened in the second part when he fights, like when he gets his second win, and he's like, I won't be defeated. And then he gets fucking instantly deleted. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a theme um, here, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting that they they agree to they both agree to give up their status as demon lords, but not as rulers over the lands that they have. Yeah, they wish to still rule their land, but they want to be under they want to be vassals under Milam because Milam is super powerful, and overall she's she's a lot friendlier now. Now that they realize, like, she won't just, like, straight up destroy fucking countries for no reason. Yeah. And the fact that they all know now that she was doing what she was doing for a reason, to draw out what Clayman was doing behind the scenes. Yeah. And on top of that, it's like, I mean, Frey's reasoning is that um, she would rather, she's not strong enough, and she'd rather serve under Milam and be an advisor to Milam. And then Carrion's reason was like, well, you owe me a country anyway, so what <laughs> yeah. better way to than to work under you and help you make your people help rebuild my country? Yeah. I mean, imagine voting to or like voluntarily deciding to become a vassal state. That's like no one's ever done that ever in history. Yeah, and now I it's know. like this is actually the best idea we had. Um and and pretty much the the season ends with uh with that I mean you have Rimuru going back to Tempest with you know his newfound status as an actual demon lord a, a true a true demon lord in all, in all senses of the word um because he's now been voted onto this this demon lord council I guess um and that's that's pretty much how it ends um and then of course you have these these seeds that are sown in the back like what happened with Laplace taking out Valentine as he returns back to uh to his domain and like you know that something big is coming because we still have Yuki out there pulling strings um and we still have the Harlequin clown troop out there you know and obviously they've been revealed to be way more powerful than they outwardly appear um so it, it definitely feels like a greater, grander uh, confrontation is coming at some point. And um, I, I look forward to seeing it. 
Um, so far, at least as of the time it's recording, a movie has been announced that's coming out in fall 2022. An exact date hasn't been specified, again, as of this recording. Um, and it also hasn't been said yet whether this is actually going to be a continuation of the story or something sort of original or a side story of some kind. John, we were talking about beforehand, he thinks that the next like little arc that's supposed to come after this in the, um, in the source material, he thinks it actually might be suitable as a movie. I think it's the tournament arc. So immediately after this, because of all the changes and stuff, um, the monsters are like, so we haven't had a power ranking thing yet in a long time, and we're all super powerful now, so we should probably decide our rankings in the army. (laughs) So that's what the entire thing is about. (laughs) It's the tournament arc. It's literally (laughs) bout styles, like a round, round robin? Bouts? What what the fuck is that? Like a like a bracket style tournament? Yeah, it's a bracket style tournament where uh, the lots are randomized, and then they just fight each other <laughs> for their rankings. I mean, hey, if it works, it works. Now, you were telling me that you, based on like the length of that arc, you think it could be conducive to like a ninety to one hundred and twenty minute long movie. Oh, a hundred percent. It's just a battle tournament, dude. Like, it, you don't need too much information, like. So basically, the next arc was is going to be um, he's officially a demon lord, and the world recognizes it, and he sits on the council, and he has gra- been granted the title of uh, master, the rank of master. <laughs> yeah, the, he's been <laughs> he has been granted the rank of master. So now the rest of the Jura Tempest Forest has to actually submit to his will, because mm-hmm. instead of just a small startup nation, he's now a legitimate demon lord with a territory. So they mm-hmm. concede him that actual territory. And when a demon lord concedes the territory to someone, that person is now the ruler of this territory. He's offen- So he, he established his uh, Tempest as like a city, but he wasn't really a kingdom. He was kind of just a city in the Jura Tempest forest, right? Yeah. Now Tempest is an actual country. So it's an, it's an actual nation state and... The rest of the the tournament arc is basically going to be like they're going to hold the festival and show off a tournament arc, build a coliseum and everything, and the rest of the um species, like inhabitants of the Jura Forest, are going to come greet Reamer because again he's the new demon lord. You got to go greet your new lord. That's right. You got to go. You got to go suck up to the new boss. Yeah, you know as you do. New, <laughs> if yes. a duke was, if someone was granted a fiefdom and he becomes your, uh, the new ruler of your land, you kind of have to like greet him. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's pretty much uh, the, how season two ends. I was gonna ask to, to to wrap this up, John. So out of you know, out of ten, what do you give this uh, second half of the second season? Honestly, like a seven, because they left out a bunch of important things. It was still enjoyable. I don't think it was actually. It was it was a good show. No doubt. Like a 7 out of 10 show for me. Um, because of the OPED, where it wasn't that great, and because they did leave out... A, uh, see, 7 out of 10 because I read the source material. If I didn't read the source material, 8 out of 10, right? Well, that's exactly what I give it, an 8 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, because it's fun. It's it's still Funny great. It's still Slime yeah. Tensei. Like, the, the battle scenes were shortened for sure. I feel a little bit skimped on that. Uh, because especially considering season one did really well with their battle scenes, like really fucking well. I think season one was super well balanced between its exposition and its action. But I would also argue that Slime Sensei season two is more about the side characters like Raphael or uh, Sage is now turned into Raphael Sensei. And she actually has like an attitude and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like when uh, just, she was about like, to just, warn <laughs> Rimuru that um, Milam wasn't actually being controlled. But then Rimuru interrupts Raphael Sensei. And then Raphael is just like, <sighs> like exasperated. So that was fucking <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, I, I, I give it an 8 out of 10. Like, and you said it, it it's just fun. Like, I can't say that Slime Tensei is super deep or super probing or or anything in terms of like it, it's narrative and i can't say that like it's it's ost is like insanely good and, and super memorable it's ops and eds yeah they're they're mostly good and, and they're they're okay i wouldn't say they're necessarily something to write home about certainly not award-winning 
but overall, like, I'm having fun watching this. And I don't say that very often with Isekai. Like, I'm genuinely having, like, just pure fun watching this. And I feel like that season two as a whole was still fun. This one, I kind of dropped the ball a little bit. I may have given it a 9 out of 10 if it had been as, like, tightly... Um, tightly directed and written as the first half of the second season. Um, but I still think I still enjoyed the hell out of watching this. And even the, the first six episodes where it's mostly talking, I was still invested in what they were talking about. And that just goes to show that I think there's some good world building in slime tensei that I want to hear people talk about it. Um, yeah, that that's that's slime tensei season two, part two. Um, I'm sure that when the movie comes out, like I said, it is a, a, a specific date hasn't been announced yet in Japan. It just fall 2022. Um, again, as of the time it's recording, I'm sure once it comes West, we will eventually do a spoiler cast on that as well, or maybe even just a straight up movie review on it. Who knows? Um, I am hoping that the movie isn't like the end and they don't try and shoehorn everything that's left into a movie. Cause that would be terrible. Um, so maybe we will eventually get like a third, like a full third season at some point, maybe even a fourth season. Who knows? Um, but until that time, I think uh, I think that's a good place to end it. Unless you have anything else you want to say before I uh, sign us off. No. All right. Well, in that case, thank you all out there for dropping in to listen to us. Check the description below to find links to Anime Club After Dark on Twitch, on social media, and on Discord. You can check out our merch store below as well. Any purchases you make there do really, really help us out. We have a bunch of uh, seasonal stuff that's coming soon. Uh, a lot of holiday merch as well with uh, new holiday and seasonal uh logos that i will be adding to our merch store soon uh so yeah check that out if you want to support us that way uh but with that i've been your host alex and i will see you next time say goodnight john good night sit i got i got nothing man <laughs>